It's like you've fallen over a waterfall and you've crashed into the pond below and you swim up to the surface. And you go, <coughs> God, thank God I'm alive. And you're trying to stay afloat in the pond of recurrent miscarriages or in the pond of diabetes. But it's really hard to stay afloat because the water is so turbulent. And you're bouncing around and it's splashing you and it's hard to stay afloat. You're still living the lifestyle that caused the problem. Welcome to Waste Away, the intermittent fasting podcast. If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, heal your thyroid and autoimmune issues, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, the Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. If you haven't had a chance to pick up your copy of Waste Away, visit ChantelRayWay.com slash podcast and you'll automatically get 20% off the book, audiobook, recipe book, coaching, and Inner Circle Facebook group. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, Aaron here. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that you can find our full podcast episodes on our YouTube channel. Not only do you get to see Chantel and our guests, but you also get to see any charts, graphs, or pictures that we may mention. Search Chantel Ray Way on YouTube or click the link in the show notes. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to ChantelRayWay.com coaching. As always, enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode and I'm so excited about today's guest. I'm a huge fan of his and I've been dying to get him on the podcast to share with you his wealth of knowledge is beyond beyond. Um, He's the author of several books including The Autoimmune Fix, which won a National Book Award and you've written another book. Um, that you've got, and you, your main thing is talking about chronic disease, autoimmune disease. I'm so honored to welcome Dr. Tom O'Brien. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. So I'm excited about your new book that's called You Can Fix Your Brain, um, which is talking about brain fog and mental clarity. Talk to us about that. Right, right. Well, the subtitle is Just One Hour a Week to the Best Memory, Productivity, and Sleep You've Ever Had. And it's not a cutesy title. It's actually the formula for success because there are so many opportunities to download information for people today. We're all in an information overwhelm state that we become helpless. You know, we try something for a day or two and if it doesn't work, we throw it out and read on to the next thing. But the way you succeed, any chronic disease, as far as I know, Any and every chronic disease is a result of lifestyle, whether it's what you eat or the air you're breathing or the toxins in your environment, uh, the toxins in your food, food sensitivities, bacterial infections, viral infections. It's a result of lifestyle. So the analogy that I give is If you go see the doctor because your history is recurrent miscarriages or it's migraines or it's seizures or your child with attention deficit or autism or you've got rheumatoid arthritis type pain, joint pains or MS or it doesn't matter what you go see the doctor with a chronic condition. It's like you've fallen over a waterfall 
and you've crashed into the pond below, and you swim up to the surface, and you go, <laughs> God, thank, thank God I'm alive. And you're trying to stay afloat in the pond of recurrent miscarriages or in the pond of diabetes. But it's really hard to stay afloat because the water is so turbulent. You know, because the waterfall keeps falling into the pond, so the water's really turbulent. You're bouncing around and it's splashing you, and it's hard to stay afloat. You're still living the lifestyle that caused the problem. So we're, we're in this pond of symptoms of diabetes, but I'm living the lifestyle that caused the diabetes. Yeah. And I continue living the lifestyle. So we're all looking for a life jacket to stay afloat in the pond of how we live our lives. We're all looking for the life jacket. And, you know, pharmaceuticals are important. They're critically important sometimes. If you need the medications, you take the drugs. Don't be silly. You have high blood pressure at risk of a stroke. You take the drugs. But you don't stay in the pond. You swim over to the side of the pond, get out of the water, walk up the hill, and walk back up the river to figure out what fell in the river. They carried you downstream, and eventually you fell into the pond of diabetes or right. high blood pressure or recurrent miscarriages, right? So I call it life jacket medicine, that we all live with life jacket medicine, and we think we're fine. We stay in the pond. Well, the only way that I know of to consistently and successfully arrest and reverse degenerative diseases is to get out of the pond. <laughs> Get out of the pond, right? I like that analogy. A lot of people just assume that as they get older, they're going to lose their mental sharpness or their memory, and they just kind of accept it. You know, my grandmother's 97 years old. She lives by herself, takes care of herself, and is just as sharp as she can be. Um, but a lot of people are attributing their foggy brain to aging, which is which is really not the case. It could be their autoimmune issues or food you know, that's causing it, how can we tell the difference of, of, is it, you know, autoimmune issues? What is it? We have a, right. We have a lot of people that come and say, you know, I'm getting older. I've got brain fog. My brain's not working the way it used to. I know I'm just getting older, but you know, and I said, oh, how old are you? Well, I'm 38. No, that's not normal. That's not supposed to happen at 38. It's not supposed to happen at 58. It's not so... You should be able to learn new languages in your 80s. There's no reason. Why not? Unless you've been slowly killing off your brain cells, slowly killing them off because of inflammation in the brain. I'll give you an example. I did 316 consecutive patients with a very comprehensive blood test. This was in 1997. I did a blood test that uh, on myself, it was experimental only to look and see, did I have any antibodies to my own tissue? Were there any autoimmune mechanisms going on in my body? And the test came back and said that I had antibodies to myelin basic protein. That's the saran wrap around your nerves. That's what causes MS when you destroy the myelin. I had elevated antibodies to cerebellum which is the part of the brain that controls muscle movement in your body. And I had elevated antibodies to gangliosides. That, uh, when you're killing off gangliosides, elevated antibodies, 
that eventually is non-Alzheimer's dementia because your brain keeps shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. I was 44, scoring in the top 10% of 30 to 35-year-old males in triathlons. So I was walking tall. Hey, I'm a healthy guy. I'm st sticking up with the, with the young guys. But I had these test results. And where did you, so let's talk about that for a second. So where, where did you get these, like, where did you even go to get these tests done? Did you do them yourself or did you go somewhere? Oh, well, that was research only back then, but the tests are available now. Uh, the lab is called Cyrex Lab, C-Y-R-E-X. So I called the lab and I said, what is this? This is a mistake. They said, no, it's not. I said, I'm healthy. Do it again. They said, we did. We know it's you. We did it again. Sorry. It's accurate. That's when I learned that it doesn't matter how you feel. I was doing triathlon, strong, healthy, vibrant, 44 years old in the prime of my life. It doesn't matter how you feel. Because when you have autoimmune mechanisms going on, you're killing off your own tissue in your body. You just don't know it because you can't feel when you've got elevated antibodies to your thyroid or you have elevated antibodies to myelin basic protein. You can't feel any of that. There's no sensory fibers that identify when antibodies are attacking your own tissue, when there's an autoimmune mechanism going on. That is why I wrote this book, The Autoimmune Fix. And, th and that's why it won the National Book Award is because it's really good. You know, I'm, uh, and the, the, the information is so critically important for people to know that these mechanisms that cause disease go on for years before you ever feel anything. Mm. You don't feel it. You don't feel when you've got antibodies killing off your tissue that eventually causes lupus or eventually causes rheumatoid arthritis. So we all have to learn that these degenerative diseases are going on for years. You don't wake up one morning and all of a sudden you've got diabetes. That doesn't happen. You're killing off insulin, kill, uh, uh, the, the cells that make insulin. You're killing off insulin receptors. You're, you're, you're killing off your blood sugar regulating mechanisms for years before you ever have a symptom. That's why the subtitle of the new book, Just One Hour a Week to the Best Memory, Productivity, and Sleep You've Ever Had, is because you've got to do a deep dive and understand the mechanisms that are going on. I'll give you an example. Researchers collected urine in the eighth month of pregnancy of 340, I think it was 346 women. And they measured the urine samples for five different phthalates. Phthalates are the chemicals that mold plastic. And the one that most people have heard of is called BPA. Mm. That's a phthalate. So they measured the phthalate levels of five phthalates. We're exposed to hundreds, but they measured five of them. And they categorized them by quartiles, the first quartile, the next quartile, the third quartile, and the highest quartile. They followed the offspring of these pregnancies for seven years afterwards. Then they measured the IQ of the kids seven years after birth. 
the children from the mothers in the highest quartile of phthalates in their urine during pregnancy, on average, every one of these children in the highest quartile, on average, were seven points lower IQ than the children in the lowest quartile of the moms and their phthalate levels. Seven points is huge. One point in your IQ makes a noticeable difference in test scores and things like that. Seven points is a difference between an A minus, B plus person and a C minus person. And every one of these children in the highest quartile of mom's phthalate levels in urine had seven point lower IQs, every one of them. So what does that mean? It means the toxic chemicals that mom is exposed to during her pregnancy have an effect on how baby's brain develops in utero. Why do I tell you that? Because when you read that in the book, when you read it in there, you go, oh my God, I have to get, and then you read that when you use saran wrap, when you use plastic storage containers for your food, you put, you put the chicken in a Tupperware container overnight, the leftover chicken, the next day there's phthalates in the chicken. Mm. And then you give it to your kids, chicken salad sandwich or something for lunch, or, <laughs> you know, and you give it to your kids, it's loaded with phthalates. And the phthalates accumulate in the body. So what do you do? Well, every Tuesday night after dinner, every Sunday morning before church or after church, it doesn't matter when, but every week you allocate one hour, and in that one hour you take an action step for the health of your family. This week, all right, I'm going to look at the websites that Dr. O'Brien talks about in the book, and uh, okay, uh, mileskimble.com or amazon.com, and you're looking at their glass storage containers. Oh, I like the way those look. All right, let's see, I need four uh, round ones, three square ones, I need a big one you know, for when I've got a pie or something, you know, whatever. And, and then you order them and it's, it took you an hour. That's your one hour a week. And then you get rid of all the Tupperware containers. You give your husband to store nails out in the garage, but they never, <laughs> they, they never touch food again. Oh, I love and, that. And you spent one hour and one wow. hour a week. And in six so everyone, months, everyone needs to go home and clean out all their, get rid of their saran wrap, get rid of their plastic containers, and they need to get all glass containers, correct? Right. But see, my, my point is, you're going to read so many things in the book that everyone's got to do, and it just makes sense. You know, stop using aluminum foil, never use aluminum pots or pans. And when you read it, you go, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. It's going to be an OMG again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And it's overwhelming. Yeah, so you're saying just do pick one thing, either a day or one thing a week that you can kind of start. In. One hour a week. That's one all, just hour one a hour a week. And that yeah. way, in six months, you've got this. You've got this down. And for the rest of your life. Now you talk about the autoimmune disease being a spectrum of how people fall on different places within that spectrum. Talk about that for just a second. Dr. Melissa Arbuckle is an MD, PhD. Uh, I believe she's at uh, 
uh, Johns Hopkins. I, I, I believe she was at the time. In 2003, she published this article. She went to the VA and she looked for people with lupus in the VA. Now, if you're in the VA system, healthcare system, you're a veteran. And if you're a veteran, you were in the armed forces. And if you were in the armed forces, you had your blood drawn many times over the years while you were in the armed forces. Well, not many people know that the government has been saving and freezing almost all of that blood since 1978. They've got tens of millions of samples of our service people's blood frozen. Dr. Arbuckle knew this. So she asked for permission to look at the stored blood, frozen blood, of people currently diagnosed with lupus when they were healthy in the Air Force or in the Army or in the Navy, whatever branch of the armed forces they were in. She received permission. She got their blood. What did she find? Every single one of the people currently diagnosed with lupus, every one of them, had elevated antibodies that are killing off tissue, killing off tissue, killing off tissue, years before they ever had a symptom. Years. Wow. The average was nine years of elevated antibodies killing off your tissue, killing off your tissue, killing off your tissue. And then one day you've killed off so much tissue, now you start getting symptoms. And when you start getting symptoms, you try to put up with it, and then eventually you go to a doctor, and the average, it takes three and a half years after you're suffering so much that you go to a doctor and five different doctors before you get the diagnosis of lupus. Mm. And then, then you're put on steroids for some people for the rest of their life or other medications to try and shut down the immune system. The immune system has not gone crazy and needs to be shut down. That's the way historically our doctors thought. But our immunologists, our rheumatologists, they now know that the immune system is activated trying to protect you. Mm -hmm. Because your your immune system is the armed forces in your body. It's the Army, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, Navy. IGA, IgG, IgE, IgM, different branches of the armed forces. So what happened, the armed forces gets activated for some reason, starts killing off tissue, killing off tissue, killing off tissue, and eventually you get diagnosed with the autoimmune disease lupus or MS or rheumatoid or alopecia, losing your hair, or vitiligo, getting these white spots on your skin losing the coloration in your skin. It doesn't happen overnight. Our buckle showed that it takes years killing off tissue before there's enough tissue killed off that you start getting symptoms. So as a result of that, immunologists of that study in 2003, immunologists all over the world said, that's brilliant. Let's go back to the blood banks of people currently diagnosed with MS and see what we find, or currently diagnosed with rheumatoid, or currently diagnosed with antiphospholipid syndrome, or Hashimoto's thyroid, or celiac disease. And they found every single autoimmune disease had elevated antibodies years before they ever had a symptom. Mm. So that's the experimental blood test I did in 1997. 
that showed I had three antibodies elevated to my brain when I was in the peak of my physical health. And uh, I said, this is a mistake. No, it's not. Do it again. We did. We know it's you. We did it again. There's no mistake. That's when I learned and I, st I started doing a deep dive into what is autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. And that was the basis of this book that has changed the awareness of thousands of people now. They now understand. And your your website is amazing, by the way. Uh, it's called thedoctor.com. It's a great, great uh, site. You you got really lucky on that <laughs> that one. It's just the dr. It's actually the dr.com for those listening. Um, but I know that you guys offer lab tests. So we've got a lot of listeners for from all over the country. Actually, California is our number one state that listens to this podcast. I guess maybe people in California are just more passionate about their health than other places. But our number one listenership comes from California. And where are you located at? Um, um, I've been based out of Encinitas in Southern California for the last eight years. I spent 30 years in Chicago before that. Mm -hmm. currently, I'm in, currently, I'm in Northern Italy. Okay. So I'm in Virginia Beach, uh, Virginia, and we've got lots of listeners actually in the South as well, in Texas and Florida and stuff like that. So how does it work? So if someone says, look, so you said you partner with Cyrex Laboratories, right? Well, there are a number of labs that we use. Cyrex is a really good lab. Uh, it, it was the pioneer lab that introduced an entire concept about how to test for wheat sensitivities, much more comprehensive. Um, and they've got a, how to test for autoimmune diseases. Uh, there are now um, other labs that are also offering the services similar and even more expanded. Well, well, let's let's talk about that because one of the things that's really interesting that you talk about in the book is the difference in celiac disease and gluten insensitivity, which we really you know need to chime in because there is a big difference between the two. Can you expand on that? Sure. You know, I just got back here um, last night after a whirlwind uh, six weeks. We we hosted. I was the chairman of the International Symposium on Wheat-Related Disorders Beyond Celiac, Beyond the Gut. And this was um, hosted by the uh, Celiac Society of India. So we were in New Delhi and we rocked the world. We mm -hmm. did a great thing. And we broadcasted live stream and it's available at, um, uh, let's see, I think it's the dr.com forward slash India. Okay. Um, the whole conference is there. Uh, and then I went to Australia and I was teaching in Australia about autoimmune disease. And I just got back here yesterday. But um, in India, they're just rocked by this concept. They didn't know. You know, Mrs. I, I just went there. It, that's not the link. So um, you said oh, the doctor.com slash India. Please find the link for India. We'll, we'll find it. Okay. okay. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not good at that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's fine. Um, uh, so I, I talked about this in India a lot. Uh, Mrs. Patient, when you eat protein, let's say wheat, when, when you eat wheat, the proteins in wheat are like a pearl necklace. Hydrochloric acid made in your stomach undoes the clasp of the pearl necklace. Now you have a string of pearls. Your digestive enzymes act like scissors 
to cut that pearl necklace smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, smaller clumps of the pearl necklace, smaller clumps, smaller clumps, until you cut it into each pearl of the pearl necklace. That's called an amino acid. The amino acids go right through the walls of the intestines into the bloodstream. And then the body uses those amino acids as building blocks to make new bone cells and brain cells and heart cells. So amino acids are the building blocks to rebuild our bodies. And you have an entire new body every seven years. Every cell in your body regenerates. Every cell, some are very quick, like the inside of the gut, it's every three days, and some are very slow, like bone cells. But every cell regenerates. And it's the amino acids that um, are the building blocks for that. The problem with wheat, and there are a number of studies on this, no human. So for those of you that are listening that are human, this relates to you. (laughs) No human has the enzymes to break down wheat into the individual amino acids. The best we can do is break it into clumps of amino acids called peptides. Now those clumps of amino acids, uh, when they get in the gut, they're inflammatory. They cause inflammation in the gut and they cause the microbiome to develop that is an inflammatory microbiome in your gut. What happens then? You get tears to the lining of your intestines and we call that intestinal permeability or leaky gut. But the fastest growing cells in the body are the inside lining of the gut. So you eat a sandwich for lunch, you tear the lining of the gut, but it heals. You eat pasta for dinner, you tear the lining of the gut, but it heals. You have toast for breakfast or a bagel, you tear the lining of the gut, but it heals. Croutons on your salad, tear the (laughs) lining of the gut, but it heals. Day after week after month after year after year after year until one day, you cross a line, you don't heal anymore. Now you've got intestinal permeability called Mm. leaky gut. And that's the gateway in the development of autoimmune diseases. Okay. I like that analogy. That's, That's a good one. Yeah, thanks. It's not that every person has to stop eating wheat. That is not true. You sound like a nutcase if you say that. Mm-hmm. Now, we know every person has that reaction going on, but when you cross the line and you don't heal anymore, mm. and now you start making antibodies, now you got a problem with wheat. And there are so many different peptides of poorly digested wheat that get into the bloodstream. One study said 62 different peptides of poorly digested wheat that are immunogenic, stimulate an immune response. 62. Every laboratory in the world tests one. It's called alpha-gliadin. It's 33 amino acids long. Uh, but, and it's important to test. But why are the labs only testing one when there are 62 that might trigger the immune response? So would your suggestion from what I'm hearing you say is, okay, let's go ahead and get your lab work done and let's see, do you have celiac disease? Do you have gluten sensitivity? And, and then, then you can make that decision of whether you should eat wheat or not. But I do want to ask you, because I know that you're passionate about the paleo diet for healing, and I, I always ask every guest, 
Walk us through the day in the life of Dr. Tom. What do you personally eat each day? What does your day look like? Good. And be honest, be honest. Uh, yeah, sure, happy to. Uh, but I will say uh, there also are some dangers to the paleo diet. And there are some dangers to a keto diet. And you have to check and see if it's safe for you to do a paleo diet or a keto diet. So I'd like to take a moment to talk about why that is. Sure. Okay? The way that we absorb our fats in the food we eat. And so we need a high fat diet, you're eating more fats. And so more fats are being absorbed. The fat molecules get escorted right through the walls of the cells in the intestine into the bloodstream. The technical term, the geek term is called transcytosis, meaning right through the cell not in between the cells, which is called paracellular, uh, but rather through the cells, transcellular. The problem is that we've got this stuff in our gut called lipopolysaccharides, LPS. It's the exhaust of gram-negative bacteria. And LPS, these exhaust molecules, jump on the back of fat molecules. It's called lipid raft transcytosis. Lipid, meaning fats, raft, like a boat, transcytosis through the cell. And so these LPS molecules can jump on the back of a fat molecule in your high fat diet and go right through the cells into the bloodstream. If then your immune system has to fight that LPS, now, technically, that's called endotoxins in your bloodstream. And those endotoxins, they're poisons to you. They get in your brain, and they've identified that as one of the components in the development of Alzheimer's. They get into your joints. You get arthritis. You develop rheumatoid arthritis from it. They get into your skin. They get into your kidneys, into your lungs. They can go wherever the blood goes. If LPS is in the bloodstream, that's where it's going to go. This is, the, this is the reason why people die in hospitals of sepsis. Sepsis is high accumulations of LPS that's been building up for years. So every person that wants to do a paleo diet or a keto diet, which can be very healthy for you, it can be really great. It can be really great. But you have to do the blood test to see, do, is my body fighting LPS? Do I have antibodies to LPS? Because if you do, you can't do high-fat diets right now until you clean that stuff up because it's a strong contributing factor to many different de degenerative diseases. So that's a critically important takeaway for your tribe if they're eating paleo, which is a great diet. I'm not against paleo, but you just have to check and see, is it good for my body or not? Okay? Gotcha. Hey guys, we absolutely love getting your questions into the podcast, but we're also interested in your journey. So if you've started intermittent fasting and have some success or even struggling a little bit, we want to hear about it. Email me your intermittent fasting stories to Chantel at ChantelRayWay.com. Now back to the show. Okay, this question is from Heather in Lubbock, Texas. A few months back, I tested with my doctor and found out that I am gluten intolerant, so I've been really careful to eat gluten-free. I had my husband and son tested, tested as well, and they don't appear to be intolerant. 
I didn't want to make any changes to their diet, but now I'm starting to wonder, should I be limiting their gluten as well? I have some friends who are gluten-free, but they're not gluten intolerant. Should we all be avoiding gluten like the plague? I get such mixed messages. Heather in Lubbock, Texas. That's a really good question, Heather. And the answer is no, we should not all be avoiding gluten. Now it does cause um, transient permeability in everyone. So, you know, it makes sense that it's best to keep it to low doses. But the question is, is my immune system saying I've got a problem with it? Is my armed forces activated? And the problem for Heather is that her doctor checked one peptide of wheat, alpha-glidin, and he checked that for her husband and son. They didn't have that one elevated. They may have any of the other 62 elevated. So they may have a problem with wheat and the test came back negative. That's called a false negative when that happens. And that's really common. It's that the lab tests are old and the new lab tests are much more comprehensive like Cyrex or Vibrant. And they're on my website. You see these tests on the website. And you go, wow. Oh, and then you, you go to your so doctor. Let me ask you this. With those tests that you're talking about that you do, Yes. Are you like 99.99999% confident that when someone does that test with you, that that is, you know, if they say you're not gluten intolerant, you're not, you don't have celiac, that you're confident that they really don't? That's a really good question. And the answer is with one of them, yes. With the other one, no. Which, which is the one that you're confident with? The one called Wheat Zoomer. And this is why. Um, do, you, do you have your cell phone there with you? Uh-huh. Okay, can, can you just hold it up for a minute? Yeah. Just hold it up. That cell phone carries the computing power of a 30 by 30 room at MIT 30 years ago. That's why it's a 30-30 concept. 30 years ago, a 30 by 30 room, floor-to-ceiling computers produces enough, enough power, computing power, as that cell phone that you're holding in your hand. Technology has just gone through the roof. The same is true in laboratory medicine. But But the labs are offering tests to the doctors that are 15, 20, 25 years old. They're good tests, but they're not as comprehensive. The only test that's cutting edge right now, and Mayo Clinic published on this, and they said, a new era in laboratory medicine is the test called the wheat zoomer. And you'll see it on my website, the wheat zoomer. That test is 97 to 99% sensitive and 98 to 100% specific, which means every time, almost every time on the money, there's never been tests like that. So the answer to your question is yes, with the wheat zoomer. That's how you find out, do I or my family have a sensitivity to wheat? Okay. Got it. That's great. Okay, let's jump right into our next question here. This is about breastfeeding. This is from Jamie in Knoxville. I stopped breastfeeding my daughter around 11 months old and she is now four. She drinks organic whole milk about twice a day and loves it. She asks for it if I forget to give it to her. But now I'm reading that kids shouldn't drink milk past a certain age. I know so many people are concerned about dairy, and I personally drink almond milk, but my daughter wants the real thing. 
What is your opinion on cow's milk for children and for me? Is there an age where we should stop serving it to them? Jamie in Knoxville. Do you have any foods personally that you crave and you want every day? Me? Yeah. Um, so I try to stay away from dairy, but I love dairy. So like I, if I could, I would eat cheese every day. I would definitely love that. Um, I like, I love Ezekiel bread, but I don't feel good when I have gluten. So I stay away from it. So I feel like because I don't allow myself to, but if you put like a slice of Ezekiel bread or if you put cheese and like brie, I love brie cheese or, um, like I, I love like a creme brulee, you know what I mean? So like, those are things I, I absolutely love, but yeah. I've just, just- And it puts a smile on your face. Yes, yeah. it does. And you talk about it, and yet you, you know it's not good for you. Yeah. So what does that mean? It means it's stimulating your opiate receptors in your body. And it, it, they're called opiate receptors because that's where morphine works, is on mm -hmm. those, you just feel good when you have a little of it. Mm -hmm. And that's true with wheat, that's true with dairy. Now, with dairy, the, the opiates are called casomorphins. That's the technical term for them. And there are a number of studies published on casomorphins and sudden infant death syndrome. Mm. That the casomorphins cause what's called a breach of the blood-brain barrier, a leaky brain. And there's a saran wrap around your brain inside that protects it. It's called the blood-brain barrier. And only certain molecules can get through. But when you eat dairy or drink dairy, you and the casomorphins in dairy will cause a tear in the blood-brain barrier. And then you get inflammation in your brain. And the theory is that triggers the inflammation that shuts down the breathing centers for infants. Mm -hmm. And they've published a number of papers on that. So this concept of dairy, cow's milk is meant for a cow. It's, the protein molecule is eight times the size of human breast milk protein molecules eight times the size. And for sure, we know, the only one that's pretty commonly accepted, the only concept about dairy and avoiding dairy that's pretty commonly accepted is with infants, where there's a family history of diabetes. Because there's something called molecular mimicry. What that means, if you make antibodies going after dairy, then those antibodies may attack the beta cells of your pancreas where you make insulin. And there's a long reason why, it doesn't matter right now. But if you make antibodies to dairy, you can attack your pancreas and then you don't make enough insulin and eventually you get diagnosed with type one diabetes. Mm -hmm. And it's a molecular mimicry action against dairy that was the trigger that sets it off. So the idea of cow's milk, thank you, the idea of cow's milk is that it's meant for a cow. Now, the three types of milk that are similar to human milk that are safe for most people are reindeer, camel, and donkey milk. Oh, my gosh. Those three are, for most people, they're safe. It's called homogalous. They're closer to human breast milk and they don't trigger an immune response. And I was startled. You know, they sent me a sample of camel's milk, hoping that I'd say nice things about it. And so it was in the refrigerator, and I just couldn't wrap my head around the milk of a camel. Really? <laughs> a camel? 
And so, you know, I saw the, the owner of the company a couple months ago, Doc, how was that milk? And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I travel so much it expired. <laughs> oh, we'll send you some more, we'll send you some more. So they did, and they sent me some more. And so I tried it one day with some granola, and I was startled. It was really good. Really? Yeah, it was really good. You know, you think about cow. I mean, we've just seen thousands and thousands of cows, so we think, but if you look at a cow, it stands in its own poop, and, you know, there's all kinds of... Camels are really clean animals. And uh, so camel's milk is, for the most part, safe for people. Camel, donkey, and reindeer, not, mm. not uh, cow's milk. Wow. All right, this next one's from Helen in Fairfax. I've read a lot about the benefits of sauna for arthritis, and I've been going to the sauna at my gym every day after my workout. But now everyone's talking about infrared saunas. What's the difference between the benefits of a traditional sauna like I have at my gym and an infrared sauna? Do I need to track one down at an a track down an infrared, or will the standard sauna at my gym do the trick? Helen in Fairfax. Really good question. Um, any sauna is good for almost all people. The idea of sweating is one of the components of detoxing. Major, major concern in our, in our world today is the amount of toxins that we're exposed to. Every, new, every newborn baby in America has on average 180 toxic chemicals in their bloodstream at birth that aren't supposed to be there. 180! And many of them are brain or neurotoxins. So the, and as we age, more and more of this toxic stuff accumulates. Um, and in our India event, Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride from England was there and she was talking about how a woman is having her first baby at older ages now, maybe around 30, 35, and women uh, traditionally would have babies at 20 to 25, traditionally. Well, the older you are with the first baby, that's another decade that you've been using hair coloring and nail polish and mm. cosmetics. This, all this stuff gets in your body. All the, and they're toxic chemicals that is one of the contributors why the incidence of autism is going up so high in our world today. Right. That's all in the book. You, you can fix your brain. You'll read it all in there. So the idea of detoxing is critically important for most of us, almost all of us. So any sauna is good for you in general. In general there are studies that show lowering blood pressure, lowering cholesterol, uh, re reducing inflammation throughout the body. It's really great for you. Now the difference between an infrared and the standard Swedish type sauna is that infrared doesn't go as hot, which is good. It goes hot enough to make you sweat but the infrared rays penetrate about four millimeters inside, deeper than the traditional um, hot saunas do, the Swedish saunas. So the deeper penetration opens up the blood vessels deeper, so you flush out more mercury in your sweat, more lead in your sweat, more BPA in your sweat. All this toxic crud that's in our bodies that's making us sick, triggering the increased incidences of autoimmune diseases because of all the toxins we've got in our body, you're sweating out more of this stuff all the time. So saunas are a great component to a detox protocol, whether they're Swedish or infrared. Mm, awesome. Okay, this is from Amy in St. Pete. 
<clears throat> what is your opinion on autoimmune disease and working out? I'm diagnosed with lupus and my doctor's always telling me things that I should be listening to my body and taking it easy when I flare up. But I notice that when I work out, I feel, even when I'm feeling awful, I do feel a little bit better overall afterwards. The only problem is after I work out, I puff up like a blowfish. Why is my body puffing up after I work out? And does this mean I should be taking it easy? I don't want to stop because I don't feel well. Amy and St. Pete. Amy, that's a really good question. Your analogy of a blowfish is so appropriate. You know, in Japan, in, in Japan they serve blowfish. And the danger is if the sushi chef nicks the liver when he's filleting the blowfish, it'll kill you that um, it's really dangerous. And autoimmune diseases, will um, they're, they're, they shorten our lifespan, right? So you gotta be careful when you're dealing with an autoimmune disease. So how do you do exercise in a safe, healthy way? The first thing you do, you wear a pulse monitor. And you wear a pulse monitor and you stay in your ideal aerobic range. You do not go anaerobic, meaning higher. When you're in your aerobic range, the, the formula is 180 minus your age plus or minus five. So if you're 40 years old, 180 minus 40 would be 140 plus or minus five is 135 to 145. In general for people, that's the range that you exercise in. So your pulse monitor, you set it for 135 to 145. And takes about, you know, you do about five minutes of warm up, then you turn the thing on. And then if it's going beep, 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 it means you're below your pulse range. Pick up your pace a little bit. If it, but it's going beep, 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 it means you're above your pulse range. Slow down, slow down. And you'll be surprised at how slow you have to go. People with autoimmune diseases do not need to do very much to be in their pulse range. And when you go above your pulse range, you're anaerobic, which makes you sicker, and you blow up like a, a blowfish. Now, the reason you blow up like a blowfish is that your lymphatics and some of your blood vessels are very weak, and they're almost like a sieve, you know, and they're perforated. You leak all this edema out into your legs and your arms, so you've got to be really gentle with yourself and stay in your pulse range, and you use a pulse monitor as your coach. And the rule is you never argue with your coach, never. Because your coach is going to say, slow down, slow down. It's going to go beep, 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 beep. And you're going to say, I, that's ridiculous. I'm hardly exercising here. That's too much. Slow down. Get on the treadmill, slow down. And you'll find it won't take very much at all. But a month down the road, when you're staying in your pulse range, the target is to be 15 to 30 minutes, three or four days a week. Eventually, you may only be able to do five minutes to start with. That's fine. Next week, you're doing 10 minutes. Next week, 15. You know, you just slowly build up. You be patient, and you can build it up. Now, on the formula, there's one caveat. If you're diagnosed with an autoimmune disease already, you go 180 minus your age. So if you're 40, it's 180 minus your age. That's 140. But now you subtract five because you're diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Now it's 135. And then it's plus or minus five. So that's 130 to 140. And that's your pulse range. 
And that's where you stay after five minutes of warm-up for 15 to 30 minutes, three to four times a week. And you'll find that you don't have to do very much to be in that range. And uh, when you're aerobic, you're burning fat. And you feel better when you're burning fat. But you just have to go with the intensity that your body is capable of doing right now with o- without overstressing. And that's what your pulse monitor gives you. All right, well, this is our last question. This is from Dawn in Kansas City. She says, I always wear toenail polish and get regular pedicures. I took the polish off myself a few weeks ago and noticed my nails were extremely, extremely yellow and overall unhealthy looking. I decided to leave the polish off for a few weeks and to let them breathe, and they haven't improved. A lot of things that I read online point to autoimmune issues and some scary things like liver problems, but I also know that it could be some simple sort of deficiency. Is this something I should be concerned with, and what can I do to improve my nail health and to consider the root cause? And we got some other questions about, are there any organic nail polishes or organic hair colors that they could use? Uh, Dawn in Kansas City. Really good question. Really good question. It's like, should I be concerned that my body is decaying? (laughs) That's the question, and the answer is yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, body language doesn't lie. And Mm -hmm. so what you're noticing is that, wait a minute, I never noticed my nails before because I always have them covered with nail polish. And I'm looking at them. They don't look good at all. And it's not a simple... Uh, nutrient deficiency most likely yes Mm -hmm. you'd be concerned and in this situation I would recommend two tests be done Uh, one is called the wheat zoomer and the other is Cyrex array number five and with Cyrex array number five you look at 24 different tissues to see is my body attacking itself do I have an autoimmune mechanism going on that's explained in great detail in the book, The Autoimmune Fix, that whole concept's explained. That's what I did back in 1997 and found three antibodies to my brain. And when I cleaned all that stuff up, I went back eight months later and redid the blood test, it was all normal. And I do that blood test every couple of years of now to make sure that everything's okay. So the answer is yes, you should be concerned. Absolutely. Awesome. So if you if you would have to say like, here's the, Here's the five things that you personally did yourself to kind of heal yourself of this autoimmune. What would be your kind of your top five tips? Yeah, first is learn one hour a week. Do a deep dive so that you aren't just trying to get rid of some symptoms, but you're understanding of how your body works. You don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a healthcare practitioner to understand some basic concepts. Read the books, read both of these books, and it will give you a uh, a comprehensive overview. That's the first thing. The second thing is one half ounce of water per pound body weight every day. Every day. What does that mean? If you weigh 130 pounds, that's 65 ounces of water a day. And oh my God, I'll be peeing all day. That's the idea is because the body is so toxic right now from all these toxic chemicals we're exposed to all the time. It's, you know, we have to have the transport mechanism to get rid of all these toxins that contribute to the development of the autoimmune diseases. Mm. Third, do the wheat zoomer to see, that's the most comprehensive test 
right on the money every time to see, do I have intestinal permeability, the leaky gut, and does my immune system say, I've got a problem with wheat right now? Whether or not you feel it when you eat it, that doesn't matter at all. Fourth, eat a ton of vegetables every day. Lots of root, one, one root vegetable every day. Go shopping and buy organic, get rutabagas, turnips, parsnips, sweet potatoes, kohlrabi, get all the root vegetables they have, and every day you have one root vegetable because those root vegetables feed the good bacteria in your gut, so you build a stronger microbiome. And fifth, buy, uh, Mrs. Patient, take four or five apples, wash them, get organic, of course, chop them up, get, throw the seeds out, and then cut them into bite-sized pieces, throw them in a pot, add water about two-thirds above, so the apples are about one-third the height of, of the water, throw in some cinnamon, turn it on high, boil it, check it out in eight to 11 minutes or so. When you see a shine on the apples, turn it off, you're done. You've got applesauce. The shine on the apples, you've released the pectin from the fruit. So the pectin is now easily accessible to the lining of the gut. And the pectin is a food source to make something called intestinal alkaline phosphatase, IAP. And there are many, many benefits to intestinal alkaline phosphatase, all the good things that it does for you. There are many benefits to it. So have two tablespoons of applesauce twice a day, every day. That's all, just a couple of tablespoons. Eat your root vegetables, do those basic tests, drink water, and I don't remember, oh, I remember the first one was I said. You said five. I mean, I, I give you ten. <laughs> top five. Uh, that's awesome. Well, I'm so excited because you've got a couple of giveaways for us, um, for all of the listeners, which is so generous and kind of you. Um, if you go to, we're going to actually set up on our site the the giveaways. So we're going to, if you go to ChantelRayWay.com slash Dr. Tom, we will have that link available and you can kind of access his anti-inflammatory and brain-boosting pantry staples and his list of the best and worst foods. And did you want to do a book giveaway, Dr. Tom? That would be fine, yes, yes, All right, sure. So what we'll do is we will give one lucky winner a, a free book. If you go to our Facebook page, you can go on there and we will make sure that that link is there and you can share and like it and comment and get a copy of your amazing book. And you've just been so amazing. Now I've got the link for the um, uh, India event and it's, um, it's on YouTube. uh, uh, Functional forum. If you go to the functional forum on YouTube and um, there's a a, a bunch of them, but the one that occurred just two nights ago uh, on functional forum was a summary of the entire conference in India with um, clips from five or six of the speakers. It's just fabulous. You know to what, see. if you if you'll do this for me, Dr. Tom, if you'll send me the link, I'll put it in today's show notes so that way they can just literally right. click on the show notes and click and, and email that to me and I'll get it over to everyone. I'll well, you've been an absolute answer. joy. Thank you so much. You're just a wealth of knowledge. Like it's unbelievable how smart you are. So thank you for sharing that that wealth of knowledge with all of our listeners. We really, really appreciate you. 
Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Awesome. And if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at ChantelRayway.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to chantelrayway.com slash coaching. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.